0: A man without ethics is a wild beast loosed upon this world. Welcome to Wild Beasts, a podcast about ethics. Do venture capitalists care about ethics? And what exactly is ESG? Today's episode features a conversation with Tracy Barba, Director of Venture and Equity Ethics at the Markla Center. I'm Courtney Davis, and thanks for tuning in. Sweet. Thank you again for agreeing to have this conversation. I know it's a busy time for you and there's been a lot of news about ESG. I wanted to start just in a very basic place um, and ask you what ESG is and how should we understand it and can we understand it as a framework for ethics or ethical decision-making? Sure. So
1: ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And the way that it gets applied in venture capital context for both the investor and also the company, specifically looking at the company, but also the investor has some responsibilities to look at the environmental impact potential of a company when they're making investments, as well as looking their, at their own firm and how their own environmental impact through travel and other things Uh, work. And then under the social, it is looking at things like diversity and inclusion. So how diverse are the teams that they're investing in, but also how diverse is the team in their own firm and also fair treatment of workers, uh, executive pay. And then for the governance, it's, you know, again, looking at companies and what kind of governance structures they have. So what types of Committees do they have when they're making investments? What types of policies and processes do they have in place in order to manage risk and their financials? So anything that could be considered sort of potentially have negative unintended consequences would be something that ESG uh, would typically cover um, with respect to the company and the firm in venture.
0: Right. And what do these metrics actually look like? Is this something that the VC has to ask the company to provide or does the company already have all of that data gathered somewhere and are they obligated to give it to a VC? How does that work? Yeah. So it varies
1: depending on the stage of the company and the stage in which a VC is investing. So Uh, There are a couple of different examples that have come from the public markets. So more mature companies um, have, there's a number, I'm sure, of rating systems that people have read about um, that look at different types of metrics. And I would say the standards that were set by SASB, which is the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board is what I think it stands for, SASB. They kind of worked over, you know, a two-year, three-year period and do this on a periodic basis to identify what are financial metrics, you know, what things are financially material to a company that should be measured. So, for example, in the environmental category, that would be looking at uh, what are your carbon emissions and then looking at, you know, going as far as looking at, you know, what are the carbon emissions of, you know, from just your company, what you produce, and then maybe going as far as looking at suppliers. So tracking and managing that, a lot of companies don't do that uh, when you're first investing in them on the early stage. So, you know, there's no hard and fast rules or regulation around ESG. So the VC can do everything from not require it because they don't think it's financially material to suggesting that, you know, the companies actually start to track these things because they will become material at some point, likely in their development, especially as they grow. And then certainly as they go public. Public. These are the kinds of metrics. So environmental would be things you know like their carbon emissions and then any kind of plans around renewable energy initiatives. And then under social would be things like the diversity of their team, the diversity of their board, the diversity of their company writ large, and then any kind of Policies or processes they have in place for mitigating bias in the hiring process, for mitigating bias in their investment process, so making sure that they're looking at a diverse pipeline of potential founders and things of that nature and that's just one of uh, many sort of what would be considered to be sort of material risks to the company and then in governance um, when you're starting off there's not a lot typically with respect to the governance so when you're a really small startup it's probably just you and your team who are managing all the various components of both your financials and you know your uh, other kind of risk implications around audits and things like that you're probably not even doing some of that stuff when you're first building a product, but the VC is, you know, looking for things to and suggesting and guiding companies on when they should start to institute these types of processes. And so uh, responsible tech is another example, especially now as that conversation is, is you know, really sort of in the forefront. There's a lot around responsible innovation, responsible and ethical tech questions that VCs are likely asking companies to start to consider as they're building out their products. So all of those things are kinds of metrics that VCs would look at. And sometimes they're quantitative and sometimes they're discussion and qualitative.
0: Yeah. And I think that... Is going to be relevant to my next question. If I understand you correctly, you're saying that the VC only starts to require these things if they are financially material or have some sort of financial consequence to the company or to the productivity of the company or the success of the company. So is it fair to say that the VC might not actually care about ethics but that they're still really just caring about the financial success of the company? or do you think that VCS care about ethics? Um wow, that's a that's a that's a tough question. Do I think that I do
1: think that they care about ethics. Do I think that, um, and to go back to your earlier question about requiring, so at this point, I think, There are very few, probably less than 3% of venture firms who, quote unquote, require or ask these types of questions during the diligence phase of investing in a, in a company so that might give you a hint as to uh, whether or not they you know think that these things are relevant or important or even materially fi- financially sort of impactful the challenge is this i would set it up this is the way i would talk about you know i talk about esg for venture capital I think what has happened over time with ESG is that it started in a public markets context where you have very large companies and these things can be and are everything from reputational risk and greenwashing potentially by stating that they're doing or creating products that are sustainable to how they have their hiring practices to you know a whole host of other things can become very material because you know the public awareness of those types of things have a financial material impact just because their their stocks are traded publicly and they have retail investors and others who may choose not to be associated with the company that does these types of things. So that's where the, the current framework of ESG got started. Now, if you take that to and apply that to a startup company or into venture capital, where venture capital is investing in ideas, not even fully you know, formed companies, You know, most of the time these ideas are not gonna come to fruition. They're gonna go on to, you know, test and see if there's a market for it. And then they're gonna continue to evolve or not, um, or pivot. And so the question and venture, I think, around ESG has been for both the founders and also the VCs, is when do you start to require? That companies think about risks that are not necessarily immediately material to them. What's material to them is getting customer traction, understanding, you know, whether or not there's a product market fit. And then, because of the structures in venture, it's not that you're having a seed investor or an angel investor who's investing early on, who may, you know, take a board seat at some later stage. You're usually having different types of investors or different stages of investors coming into the company and you know investing capital at later stages where you could get a clearer picture of what might be considered you know material financially to your company and or ethically right so in venture you could require companies from the very beginning to say what's your mission vision and you know values and drive a company from a value standpoint and making sure that there is some ethical alignment in those values um, but how that sort of materializes in the product and the services that the company sort of ultimately ends up delivering may not be under the, you know, the first investor's purview, or am I, they may not, you know, sort of know. So this, therein lies the sort of challenge with ESG and using any kind of public markets or kind of later stage company framework, and why there needs to be more dynamic frameworks that work for venture capital, because it just doesn't follow the same kinds of incentive structures and or governance structures that
0: more mature companies do, if that makes sense. It does. It's a lot about anticipating the future or anticipating trends. And the priority for both founders and VCs is making sure that whatever idea they're investing in actually gets off the ground. And so it's sort of a balancing of priorities in that sense. But because it's this anticipation of trends... You hear a lot in the news or from conservatives, to be frank, that ESG is this, I use the term greenwashing, which is another one that comes comes out of this, like this trend of woke capitalism, I should say. <laughs> I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that is, maybe how we can understand ESG as a trend. People aren't engaging with it because, I don't know, they come to it of their own volition. It's this trend. It's something that everybody's doing and people are still debating whether or not it's even a valuable tool.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, going back to your previous question around, do VCs care about ethics? My, my thing, my thinking and hope is that, uh, that of course that they do, but I would say that, what they've primarily been interested in, and it has been their role, is been their fiduciary duty. So their duty to make money for the investors they're investing on behalf of, which, you know, in many times are college and university endowments, they are public pension funds, so teachers and fire, you know, fighters and police, um, you know, all the way through to a host of sovereign wealth you know, type funds that they're investing on behalf of, in my experience, they see their primary role as one of being a good steward of the capital that they've been given to invest. And so in that context, they're looking for ideas, they're looking at risks like team and execution and experience and expertise and what the broader market looks like in terms of technology and innovation And then they're looking at other factors, you know, as companies start to grow in terms of what might have some kind of impact on those companies, but through a filter of their responsibility to make money. And secondly, I would say, you know, the thing about venture is that they're in the business of risk. They're in the business of risk management. Ultimately, they're, you know, betting that, you know, the company they're investing in is going to return a lot of capital in a relatively short period of time. And so their job is to kind of pick the winners. And that has been the framework by which they kind of operate. Now, If you ask, and I have asked many VCs about beyond just the return of capital, how else do you see your responsibility? I would say, you know, there's a kind of general thinking that, you know, they're putting more innovation in the world. They're advancing innovation. So thereby, the positive impact of that is that you ultimately create efficiencies, create opportunities, you create access through these new technologies. So you can see that discussion happening now in AI around, you know, productivity and and things of that nature. And so the larger role, I think, is that they think their work is not only providing returns, but also fostering and advancing, you know, uh, innovation to the point where I think it was the Andreessen piece about AI saving the world suggests that, you know, it's going to, quote unquote, save the world, like it's going to create a defensible position for us in the U.S. We're going to be, you know, ahead of other countries when it comes to sort of innovation. And that's, you know, critical to, you know, our long term viability as a country. So back to sort of woke capitalism is very much tied to this idea of fiduciary responsibility and the question of whether or not, These issues around environment or diversity have financial impact on companies because, you know, for many, they do not see and, you know, that there is financially material impact on companies um, other than potentially reputational risk um, till there are regulations that are going to fine or punish companies in some way, exclude them Uh, from business. Um, So it's this really interesting kind of puzzle that we're all, you know, for those of us who care about these kinds of ethical considerations are trying to navigate because there hasn't been a lot of demonstrated proof that companies are going to be punished, that there is a financial sort of material impact as it relates to ethics. Uh, on companies, you could say, sure, you've seen trend of sustainability. People, uh, consumers are more interested in buying products that have, you know, greater or more positive impact on the environment, reduce carbon emissions, etc. But it hasn't been significant enough. You know, some consumer focused companies for sure are trying to, you know, navigate that and use that as a way to get more customers and to attract more customers. But there's a lot of businesses that don't serve consumers directly that are struggling with, you know, this idea of you know, how material is it for me to track not only my own emissions, but those of my suppliers as well. And there's no regulation currently that is going to punish those companies in any real sort of way. You see the same thing happening on the the technology side. If you look at something like, you know, Facebook or, you know, pick a social media company, these things are not necessarily and haven't been um, financially material to the company. So, this is where the the sort of crux of some of this sits it's you know the woke capitalism is saying that you need to take these things into account as you're building your companies because business has business touches our lives you know in many 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 different ways these days but there hasn't been a way to quantify that material sort of financial impact so that's where the debate lies so it becomes a subjective measure that gets implemented depending on the sort of investor on the private side. On the public side, it's things like SASB and these other kinds of frameworks that I've mentioned around ESG um, that kind of dictate what is material.
0: You're right. We exist in this gray area where there's not sufficient evidence at this point that making investments in explicitly or overtly ethical companies or ethical ideas or sustainable ideas is what's most responsible if your goal is to get that return on your investment or get that capital back to mind your fiduciary duty, right? There's not sufficient evidence that doing that is the best route to achieving that goal. But yeah, we live in this gray area and we're trying to push this trend so that maybe one day in the future, (laughs) there is enough evidence and investors and VCs can make that choice to invest in in the ethical idea or company, knowing that that's going to be the most financially responsible thing for them. So I almost like, yeah, just keep pushing this until we get to that next phase, right? Well, I think...
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting is this conversation around generative AI. I think it's helping us to frame within the context of venture because so much of venture dollars goes into technology and innovation. It's hard to imagine a software or a SaaS company having a large environmental footprint. I think that's, the you know, with these software companies, oftentimes it's, difficult. But with generative AI, it's generating a new conversation about what it means for technology to have an impact. And we've seen this with social media, we just kind of, you know, are coming, you know, into the realization and, and seeing more and more of the negative consequences. So my hope is that that, that will change the frame a bit to say at least, We need to be aware of and have some guardrails around and some responsibility around how these kinds of products are deployed, um, some kind of safeguards that don't just, you know, lay it all in the lap of the consumer to make the decision or the choice that we all collectively can have some responsibility, so that you can actually build products you can do it in a way that you know has growth and scale and and makes returns but also does it in a way that's responsible and who's responsible and what does it mean to be responsible is still being debated uh you know we're at the very beginning of those conversations but i think that is going to bring a new lens to venture in particular that i'm
0: excited about right and just to Continue on the AI direction. You gave a talk at Tech Week in San Francisco last week, or you were involved somehow. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Hosted a conversation
1: uh, around AI and ethics and what is the role of the VC in that context. And so brought together a number of different stakeholders, including LPs, um, those who invest in VC funds, the VCs themselves and then founders who are creating companies and then a number of stakeholders that are part of the broader ecosystem of support around startups and asking the question about where do founders see their responsibility? Where do VCs see their responsibility? And what is the responsibility of you know LPs in this whole sort of uh, roadmap to creating safeguards? And who's going to be responsible for checking them ultimately? And who's going to be responsible for making sure that these things happen? And that is a conversation that was very interesting. It was you know uh, a lot of mirrored a lot of the kind of conversations around ESG that I've had in the past. It's Very similar in the sense that, you know, founders, I've never, I've rarely, and I've worked with many, many, many founders who don't want to do these kinds of things. I've never heard a founder who doesn't want to have a diverse team, doesn't want to make sure that their products don't have negative consequences. But I think the question becomes to the earlier part of this conversation, which is, when do you do it? When do you start to do it? I mean, when does that become a priority? And I think a lot of people in the AI space are saying, you know, it starts early. And I would say this is true of ESG as well. The one thing we do know is that even if it's not material to your company today, at the point at which you get to start selling into large corporations, for example, who now have policies of their own because they're publicly traded companies. They're going to require you to be calculating, looking at, capturing, um, tracking your carbon emissions. I think the same thing is going to happen if you're going to sell into a large, you know, into a Microsoft or a Salesforce or an IBM or pick another enterprise. They're very quickly going to start to institute these kinds of requirements for, for companies and for startups That's that can make or break them, especially large enterprise customers. So, I think that the pressure is going to come from a lot of different places. It may not come from the VC, but the VC and their role can be a good, you know, being aware of these things and helping guide the companies on when to make these decisions is going to become more and more important.
0: Right. And so for AI specifically, I know you just explained this mostly, but in broad strokes, what are the different options to answer that win question? Like what are the different stages at which maybe a like a startup that's investing in or creating some kind of ai or generative ai tool what are the different phases at which they could be considering esg or these kinds of questions
1: so typically what i've seen and i'll take you know the diversity sort of angle to begin with if a startup is three people that you know met in college and they had this great idea and now they're working towards building a company, they've received some venture funding, very likely the first round of funding is probably going to help them get their products, you know, more fully developed, they're going to be able to, you know, spend some money on engineering. And then very quickly thereafter, they get to the next phase of funding, which is they, you know, built a product, the product's getting some traction, maybe they have a few customers, but now they really want to grow and scale the company. What happens at that point is the next thing they're going to do is a lot of hiring. And if you don't have in place some kind of strategy around how you're not going to just go to your existing network of friends from college, and therefore your company is going to look you know, a lot like you and your friends and really be thoughtful, intentional about hiring you know in a more diverse strategy you are going to end up and if you're three white males who met in college it's very likely that you know the next round of hires that you make even at the seed stage are not going to be particularly diverse so you know when do you start my sort of thinking and guidance with companies has been, you start very early on thinking about these things, and you can do it in small ways, right? The very first kind of exercise, even on the venture side that I've been through, is developing a policy. What is going to be your hiring policy? What you know beyond just profitability drives the value of your company and the values of your culture, so that those working with you can understand sort of how to make decisions, and in particular ethical kinds of considerations. That kind of foundational work is important. Certainly once you have a product <laughs> before you have a product, you should be discussing these types of things, but certainly where you're starting to interface with customers and to start to sell products, you want to be considering all of the potential sort of negative consequences of that product, you know, from the very early days. So what does that look like from a process type of a uh, roadmap? I would say, you know, I think about it in three, fa- in under three kind of categories. What kind of expertise do you need to have internally? What types of pro- process and systems do you need to have? And then what kinds of governance structures? So, do you need to have one person responsible or is it shared responsibility? And I would say as companies move from seed stage to growth, um, the way that changes is they need to have an awareness when they're for- in seed stage. So, their expertise may be you know, they have, they, they, there's a lot of resources that are out there around how to think about, you know, your environmental and carbon footprint that are, you know, now tailored to startups. They make it super easy from, you know, Brex like, credit cards that will track all of your purchases, including your Uber rides and anything you buy from Amazon and calculate for you what your carbon footprint is as a company to tools that will allow you to think through, you know, kind of blind hiring processes and what kinds of things that you need to have in place in order to make sure that your workforce is diverse. So those types of tools you need to have an awareness of, I would say first and foremost, think about what is your ultimate um, mission and vision and value and again beyond just you know making a great product and and being profitable having some of those conversations early on to form you know what is the basis of the culture and what's going to you know create the stickiness and the decision making Frameworks when you move into you know growth stages when you need to have more expertise so now you're maybe hiring somebody who's going to advise you on you know how you might think about what is your carbon footprint how you might you know think about hiring strategies or you might work with an outsourced consultant or these days platforms that enable you to reach a more diverse network of potential sort of employees and then finally i would say on the the sort of oversight and governance piece it you know moves from internally having shared responsibilities to having a board member who oversees to having a subcommittee around these types of issues that reports into the board ultimately so the structures just become more advanced and the systems and processes you know become more rigorous as you grow as a company. So that's a flavor of, you know, there's a lot of details depending on the sector and what kind of product you're developing. But I think ultimately companies have to make decisions as they're getting additional rounds of funding and as their product becomes more mature, but where it starts is in the very beginning.
0: Right. You can start thinking about those things in the very beginning, though the way that articulates itself is abstract It's not as codified, and so it's later, I guess, harder to point to whatever you decided earlier on because it's abstract and it's not part of this structure in your company that holds you accountable for the decisions that you make. Um, I know also that you've talked about a council that holds startups or founders accountable through guidelines. Then you talked about this at Tech Week in San Francisco. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that council is or who it serves.
1: Yeah, I think we're just at the sort of beginning stages, especially around the generative AI questions. You know, I, I came from impact investing space and more traditional venture, as well as, you know, implementing ESG across venture in a, in a early stage kind of well-known accelerator and I think what really is something that's beneficial is to have multiple stakeholders at the table to understand, you know, what are the potential implications. So the, the role of the council is to fill that sort of need to hear from LPs, from other VCs. Um, I think that's another key component to all of this is, you know, other VC VCs want to know what other VCs are doing so that they can learn from what they're doing. So The role of the council, I think, is is less about, you know, accountability and more about guidance and and providing some guidelines on uh, what's possible, um, what types of things you can do or ask companies to do early on um, as a VC and through the lens of diligence and to some degree risk management. Uh, The goal is to have a number of stakeholders inform what those guidelines are going to be, because You know, as I mentioned in the very beginning, VC's role is, you know, to deploy capital and to make returns and, you know, to have a university or or sort of, you know, a, a neutral party help to facilitate conversations with multiple stakeholders and also peers to help just provide some guidance on what types of processes, what types of questions are being asked, what kinds of risks are coming up. There just isn't a lot of, you know, uh, those types of governing bodies or those types of councils that exist for the venture community. And I think, you know, part of the role at for this program at the Lucas Institute is to uh, try to facilitate, you know, having more of these kinds of conversations so that we understand what are some of the roadblocks, what are some of the opportunities, and then to overlay that with some guidelines on how venture can work towards implementing more ethical standards and practices.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's a fundamental part of the Markla Center's framework for ethical decision making, right? I mean, that's step one is identifying the stakeholders who will be impacted by the situation at hand or whatever decision that you have to make. I'm wondering just to clarify, so the guidelines that you, your council would recommend, they're catered toward venture or the they're on the investment side, how are the founders or the startups involved in that conversation or do, do the guidelines address them specifically at all in, in terms of giving them counsel or advice?
1: Yeah so I think the thing that's that's new different about um venture as as it relates to the role of different stakeholders is because you know companies aren't fully formed the relationship between the venture you know sort of capitalist and the company or the founder is oftentimes one where the venture capitalist is playing role of more mentorship, guidance. Um, you know, uh, not one where necessarily there's a lot of uh, how should I say. Um, they're not there to police what the 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 company does. That would not set up a very sort of <laughs> uh, fun, nor I don't think productive type of relationship. Um, if that was the approach that venture took, I think, especially in the space of generative AI and technology, and because of the the sort of newness of these unintended consequences or sort of understanding them that it's a collaborative shared um effort and so certainly whatever gets recommended to venture has to also be informed by what founders are experiencing and what they are what they're thinking about how they roll out products and VCs are Certainly experts in lots of different areas, but they, you know, contrary to popular belief, don't know everything. And, um, you know, we'll need to work closely with founders who very likely and hopefully understand the technology a lot in the market a lot better than they do. So this is, you know, going to become a, a sort of shared responsibility, I think, under the sort of umbrella of responsible innovation is going to is very much going to be uh, you know both VCs and founders working together to kind of define that. Ultimately I think it's going to be the founder who will own that process. But you know the role of the council is to equip the VC with insights and you know information on you know potentially things that maybe founders hadn't considered. And so they can play the role of, of guide and uh, help guide them through that process.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's. I mean, it's interesting to think about just the founders obviously needing to be a part of that conversation because they are, in one sense, experts in, in the technology and in the industry, if that even really exists. Because for generative AI, it's still in this novel early stage. We don't really know how these products are going to play out. I think that just as a final question, I know that the responsibility question is complicated. But I imagine that when you were at this event, you had in one room all of these different stakeholders, right? You had the startups, you had the large enterprise companies, you had the the vCs. did anything surprise you about how all of these stakeholders were discussing responsibility, or did anybody step up and say it's it's us or it's you? <laughs> um did anything surprise you about those conversations?
1: Yeah. Um, It's a very good question because I think one of the takeaways that that someone at the event noted was uh, that they each sort of pointed to the other. As being uh, the responsible, the one who is responsible for sort of telling them when and and how this gets uh, rolled out. So the VCs were pointing to the LPs, saying the LPs have all the power. The founders were pointing to the VCs, saying you know they sort of have the the ability to kind of really dictate what gets done, and that they should be in in the role of helping to to do that. So. Um, it's an interesting sort of. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of ultimately roll, rolls out. I think there will be just like it has with ESG, and uh, there will be f- the funds that just uh, decide to take a stance. They they create a framework, and you know this is what they use to invest in companies. And they require their companies to to have certain things in place um as they grow and they develop, and they hold them accountable to those things. There's a term sheet kind of uh, terms or they, you know reporting and et cetera. Um, and I think you'll see the same thing on the, the AI side. And then people will look to those as models and see what's working and what's not. I mean, it's very much going to be an iterative process and, you know, we'll continue to develop and and share sort of insights from it. But it's, you know, at the very, very early days.
0: You've been listening to Wild Beasts, a podcast from the Markle Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University. Thanks for tuning in. And check out our website for more episodes about ethics.